Welcome back, George Kirkpatrick, Inspiration for the Nation, celebrating people we feel good about. Well, we've got a special broadcast right now. This week, we did a live stream call coming out of COVID, men's mental health, and we really focused on black and brown boys and men in particular, and what are the ways that we can support our young people, especially our black and brown boys, when they are in need of support. So we got an all-star panel. I'm going to introduce you to them right now, and then let's have a conversation. First of all, Dr. Lawrence Jackson is an assistant professor of couple and family therapy at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. His areas of research include racial disparities and inequalities in education and influential factors that influence black males' academic achievement and mental health outcomes. Brad Butler II is the CEO and founder of Brad Butler II and Associates, LLC. He's also an award-winning motivational speaker, author, student advocate, and speaker coach. Adrian Hargrove is an avid youth speaker, educational mental health advocate, and motivational speaker who has dedicated his life to serving others through his nonprofit organization, The Heart Grove. Adrian draws from experiences in his personal life as an example to get to the heart of the matter and motivate and inspire youth to recognize their strengths, overcome obstacles, and achieve their goals and dreams. Chris Marvel is an award-winning author, media contributor, and inspirational youth speaker. Chris is a dynamic and highly sought-after speaker and trainer who captivates audiences with his down-to-earth entertaining style, embracing modern conversational topics regarding empowerment, pivoting against comfort, leadership, and living a purpose-driven life. Chris also has a podcast, The Fresh Life. And Dr. Brandon Holly receives a doctorate in marriage and family therapy from Syracuse University. He is the original developer of the university community collaboration between Syracuse University's marriage and family therapy program and Syracuse Community Connections, of which provides free therapeutic services to black and brown communities. Gentlemen, we welcome all of you. We will be asking you some of the questions. These questions have been prepared by the My Brothers Keepers Fellows. This is their, this is many of the youth in our program have specific questions that they want to ask all of you. So first, let me ask you, uh, Dr. Brandon Holly, what are the biggest factors affecting your mental health during this time of COVID? Now that we're, start, we're starting to move out of it, but what was the biggest factors you think that affected our mental health during this time of COVID? It's a great question. I think me personally, not being able to do the things that I normally do. So going to the gym, little things, um, mm -hmm. going to the coffee shop, getting a break away from home, mm -hmm. being confined, really. So when you aren't able to, you know, engage in the regular activities that you do in life, that really starts to build up this isolation. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was the biggest factor for me. Uh, Adrian, what about you? Uh, I would say the same. Um, I, I like to try to get out and play a little basketball from time to time. So, you know, all my leagues being canceled and, uh, you know, not being able to just kind of get out and, uh, like Doc said, just do the things you normally do. Uh, I think that that played a huge role. Uh, Chris, what about you? You know, I would definitely say that it was uh, sharing the space of my house with everybody all at one time. <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> listen, listen, brother, I, I have never seen my kids more than I did. And, and trust me, I love them to death. But 
if they don't get out my house, I, I promise you, I was trying to find a school that was open somewhere. I live in <laughs> Cleveland. And I said to myself, is there a school in Dayton that could open? That's three hours away. <laughs> but, you know, to be honest with you, that's really what it comes down to is just, uh, you know, becoming comfortable with the discomfort. And that's that's really what I had to had work, really work through. Brad, what about you? Uh, for me, the biggest thing that I had to adjust to is that um, I'm an extreme extrovert. So uh, being outdoors, being around people, like that's where I get my energy from. That's where my passion um, that comes from. So taking that away from me is almost like putting kryptonite on top of Superman's chest. Mm -hmm. um, but I also had to realize that I had a glaring weakness that I needed to actually address. So I did not necessarily need to be around people all the time for me to be the person that I am and to be uh, inspirational, motivational and vibrant. I can still be that person when I'm at home with my wife. What about you, Doc, Doc Lawrence Jackson? Man, I'd I like to hit it all on the head. I think you take that into consideration what I'm hearing over and over again is the loss of control. Mm -hmm. The loss of control of, that we were able to do, going to the gym we want to, have, have the house by ourselves, be outside and entertain or inter, be interact with other people. And so anytime we lose our sense of our control, it's hard for us to adjust. We're habitual. We're people of cycles. We, we, we like doing the same thing over and over again, right? We're cyclic in nature. And so when we lose that, when a life transition like the pandemic comes in the way, it takes away that control for us. And that's hard for anybody to give that up, including myself. Certainly there was a lot of loss, particularly in the African-American community. How would you say, how did the pandemic affect us, Black men and Black boys in particular? I'll start with you again, Brandon. Yeah, great question. Um, I, I want to bring us back to the Black youth. Um, I think that one of the things that we often find comfort in is being around, you know, our peers, going to these community centers, going out hooping, playing basketball. You know, I know in some cities, they literally have to take the basketball, like, hoops off. Yeah. You know, we're closing parks. Community centers were closed. So, you take away some of the only positive influences that we see in some of these communities and, you know, expect people to operate business as usual. I think that was one of the big, biggest impacts on the black communities and particularly the youth. You know, when I'm, what I'm hearing you say, and I'm, I'm going to tie some of the things that I heard from um, Lawrence's uh, participation. Thank you for letting me say that Lawrence. And can I call you Brandon and, Feel free to jump in. We're having a conversation. When you talked about being, you know, in some ways you were saying master of your domain, right? Physical, emotional, yeah. mental health. And I'm thinking that you also talked about not being in control. And then the young men talked about not being able to talk about it, right? That's that's kind of what they said. Can Give me a little bit more about that. And then, uh, Brad, you, you pick that up after Lauren speaks, please. Yeah, yeah. I think that the toughest part about that transition is the outlets are gone. Mm -hmm. We oftentimes are, we're very creative, mm. right? We're very creative from our ancestors, we're super creative. And so we utilize art, we utilize our activities, our abilities to, to express ourselves. And when you take those away, it's hard to express who we are, right? And so when you can't go outside, when you can't enjoy things or when you don't have access to instruments and things like that because you're not in band you're not doing these type of things anymore you lose that creative edge and that ability to express yourself so how else do you do it then mm -hmm. we had to do our best to figure out how we could create outlets and mechanisms to help our kids still be able to express themselves 
right? And so for the young man, I feel it. Yeah, this pandemic sucked because it took that away. <clears throat> so how do we make up for it? I appreciate it how we utilize Zoom more and social media more. So yeah, we can't pull up on each other, but yo, we can have a, we can have a Zoom party and things like that. Figuring out what we can do to be able to still engage one another and have these moments and spaces where we're having these important conversations, even though it may be different than how it was before. Right. Oh man, when I think about like how tough it was, I feel like it, it, it was like, it forced us to detox from the thing mm. that we would normally mm -hmm. use to help us yeah. cope with life, right? The thing that we would normally run to, to help us, you know, just get through the day, get through the week, get through the month. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I believe that we're not living in a pandemic. We're living in purpose because the pandemic itself, the only thing it did was actually force you to be the person who you really are, to come face to face with that individual. And it did nothing but amplify whatever it was that you were already doing. If you were a motivational person and you were out there speaking life into people, you did it tenfold. If you were already in a spot where you might not have been doing well within your, men within your mental health, that showed, right? So those things need to be addressed. So I believe that this situation, it literally, it, it just showed us who we really are as people and our weaknesses, the flaws that we had and the things that we desperately need to address, especially within the black community. So Chris, how then can men feel more comfortable opening up about the very things that you just talked about without being forced to, or thinking that they can be tough, that they have to tough it out by themselves, right? Because many of us, Y'all shared, you know, how y'all felt, but many of us aren't really comfortable saying that out loud to others. Yeah, so I, you know, I do believe that, you know, of course, our highest calling is, of course, to be loved, heard, and have a sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, men's ego, you know, by nature, is a little bit terrified to, you know, to kind of break the mold in which we've been brought up into. So, you know, when your father has taught you repeatedly that, hey, boy, get up, don't cry, you right. know, be tough. You know, when your grandfather, you know, also kind of, you know, did the same thing to him. You know, if he was going through a tough time, you witnessed that, you know, that was inculcated into you. And you know, that wasn't something that just left you because you became a man. What it did was it probably became calcified, you know, mm -hmm. if anything else. And so when we think about these conversations that these brilliant, beautiful, intelligent brothers is having. What we're looking at are men who have identified within themselves the weakness and the fragility of their ego. And they understand that there is powerlessness in masculinity. And so when, when we really recognize that, when we really sit back and say, you know what? The person that I have been groomed to be is causing me to be weak. It's actually holding me back. It's not allowing me to really exude strength my wife always says this. She says, you know, she used to say this when I was, um, when we had first got married, she said, Chris, you know, if there's one thing you're going to do, you would rather die on your white horse than to fall off if it was going over a cliff. And I thought that was very powerful because what it, what it showed me was, brother, you are willing to lose everything in your life. You are willing to not deal with your own mental health. You are not, you're willing to there are brothers who legit have went through this pandemic without a job because they lost it. And because pride and ego sat in place, they said, I, I may, I may have lost my job, but I won't work there mm. because if they see me working there, that means I'm losing. Listen, I, I, I may be going through a real mental tough time right now, but if they see me going to the therapist, that means that I'm losing. 
But the truth is we're losing when we don't acknowledge that we're losing. Right. And so if anything else, it is, it is in this season that brothers have to acknowledge not alone in silos, but to join other brothers who are being vulnerable and being transparent and saying, man, can you bring me along until I'm strong enough in my weakness to do the same? Mm, that's very powerful, but it's also very scary, Adrian, right? I mean, that's scary for us to do. And there's also stigmas attached to mental health, particularly in the African-American community. So this is twofold and you all, you all can jump in here anytime. One of the things that happens is how do we get more comfortable even talking about the state of uh, mental health? I know like our frat, uh, Omega Sci-Fi did a little thing this season called Brother, You're On My Mind, which was like every Wednesday during the pandemic, we, was to, we were to reach out to check in with, with four brothers, right? For, because of the loss of that connection. So how do we get rid of those stigmas attached to mental health and then the other piece of that is, because Chris, you said, I'd rather go over the cliff than fall off the horse. What about this idea of how to deal with the anger associated with not being able to do the things that I'm used to doing? So twofold, stigma and anger. Adrian. Uh, I'll jump in on the, on the stigma part. I think uh, as far as addressing the stigma, I think we just have to normalize it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, again, I, I work with a lot of you, and one of the things that I, I tell them a lot is when you guys are just talking to each other, that's therapy. You mm -hmm. know, I know all of us guys, we have the barbershop talks. That's therapy. You know, when we're talking in the gym and we're chopping it up about whatever, that's therapy. And so just kind of changing that, that stigma of what we think is therapy. And then I think, again, just joining brothers like, like you know, ourselves. If I walk in and my therapist is Dr. Jackson, I feel a lot comfortable talking, a lot more comfortable talking to him than I might feel like that doesn't, somebody who doesn't look like me. You know, I feel like he'll be able to understand and, and I might feel a little bit more comfortable talking about what I'm going through because he can be like, man, I, I feel you, you know, versus somebody who doesn't look like me, hasn't had my experience and may not be able to understand. So I think changing the stigma is just a process that we have to go through and, and just, you know, showing our young men that when we talk to each other every day, that's therapy. It's just, you know, being okay with going a little bit deeper and saying, yeah, I, I was hurt about that or, you know, that, that upset me. Um, and then one, one other thing that I, I just had a conversation recently about um, with a young man is he was talking about, well, man, I, I can't be emotional. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you see these athletes cry when they lose a game, <laughs> you know, that's emotional. You lose a championship. That's emotional. So it's like, it's, it's okay to show emotion, uh, okay with that. Yeah, it's interesting. It's okay to show emotion in that space, in that context, but not if you feel pain in other contexts, right? We're, we're particular about how we allow, what, what spaces we allow ourselves to be vulnerable in. But, but Brandon, the other piece of that is a lot of us are not able to control how we feel and it often leads to anger and anger sometimes seems to, and I'm not the therapist, you got Dr. Holly, uh, is, that a, is that also masking fear as well, right? Uh, so talk to me about the good strategies for dealing with anger. Yeah, so anger is a secondary emotion. So to me, anger doesn't mean much. It's like, what's really going on for you? So 
for men in general, depression often looks like anger because we don't know how to express when we're feeling sad and when we're going through something. Mm -hmm. So when you feel yourself escalating, when you feel yourself wanting to lash out, you're dealing with something deeper. And that's probably a sign that, hey, it's time for me to go talk to someone, you know, and, and I want to touch on that uh, the societal influence piece, and particularly our black youth, you know, we, we look up to the gatekeepers, you know, and for us, a lot of the times that's individuals and entertainment. Mm-hmm. And right now, more than ever, I think that we're speaking on the importance of mental health. Mm-hmm. And that's opening the door for individuals to engage. So when you look at people like Meek Mill, Charlemagne the God, Tarahi, talking about the impact that therapy has had on them and people saying, okay, I'll step in the door and try that. You know, I'm, I'm gone. I'm feeling like I'm angry. And I know that this isn't anger. This is something deeper. Let me see if I can go find some therapy, talk to someone to talk about what I'm going through. Brad, I see you over there. Tell me what you got, what you got on your mind, bro. Uh, man, um, uh, like Dr. Brandon just said, like uh, the emotions that we deal with are a lot of times it's secondary to the real underlying issue, uh, especially with men, anger and depression, like those things show up in different ways for us. And if we just get to the point where, where we start talking about what's going on with us, even if it's not, you know, a therapy session, but going to speak to somebody that you feel comfortable with talking to, whether it's your mother, father, sister, brother, whomever it might be, that's a starting point. Mm-hmm. Just start somewhere so you can actually address the issue at hand and then go seek help later on when you build up enough confidence with speaking about your emotions and your feelings. Because a lot of times we know people are not going to necessarily just walk through the door and, and go into a counseling session with a complete stranger. Right. So if you if they can get to the point where they can at least have a simple conversation with somebody that they know, like and trust that and that person is able to kind of guide them like, okay, I've taken you as far as I can possibly go with this conversation here. Now you might want to go ahead and talk to an expert. Now, when they go talk to an expert, they can give them the tips, the 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 techniques. Uh, all the things that will actually help them to actually address the main issue at hand. And then they can get to the next point in their life and they can walk past that thing and say, okay, I dealt with it before, but now I know how to deal with it. And I believe that falls into the same category of uh, Dr. Lawrence when he said that uh, the EQ, uh, that emotional intelligence, knowing when you're at your breaking point, when you have a person who has reached their limit as far as their anger, the depression, uh, those negative emotions that people normally face, they've gotten to that point because they've been adapting for way too long and now they're at the breaking point. So we got to get them back to a space where they can kind of calm down and recognize, Hey, okay, I've been in this space for entirely too long. I've been around these people for too long. I've been at this job for too long, whatever it might be for them, but they need to actually understand what's going on first so they can actually address it. We'll have more with our panelists, Dr. Brandon Holly, Brad Butler, the second Chris Marvel and Adrian Hargrove, and Dr. Lawrence Jackson when we return. Keep it locked. It's Brace for the Nation.